0: Welcome into episode 22 of the Orlando Drummer Podcast. I'm uh, feeling sore today, man. I'm all sorts of beat up. How you doing, Chris? I'm
1: hungover. Hungover, <laughs> huh? What'd you do last night? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I feel like when I turn 22, see, my birthday's on New Year's. Oh, that's so, right. you got a
0: weird birthday. New Year's Day is so, such a weird so, one.
1: So turning 21 was crazy, but turning 22 <laughs> is like, I don't know if everybody has the same experience, but you turn 22 and you're just like, oh my God, a year of drinking. I'm done drinking forever. <laughs> I'm and then sure you yeah. have that mentality for like a month. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I'm in... Uh, when, when I turned 22, I was in that stage of just like, all right, Man, I'm so never drinking again.
0: 21st birthday on New Year's is dangerous, dude. I'm glad you survived
1: I won't, that not I point. won't talk about that on this podcast, <laughs> but if if I'm ever on all in with Adam, I'll be sure to tell that story. It's, <laughs> you it's, it's slightly w- entertaining. Wake up in a dumpster. Oh, I didn't dude. wake up in a dumpster, but <laughs> I'll tell you this. I, I woke up with a cracker on my shirt. Mm. that's all i'll say about that all right okay i'm sure there's yeah i want to hear that story <laughs> <later> <laughs> for sure. all right cool well um enough about uh drinking uh we'll get on to a loop of the week this week all right what uh, we got? this week is a fun one i chose it because of the tempo the tempo is 62.5 bpm <laughs> that sounds
0: like something got cut in half like it was 125, and then we were like, never mind, cut it in half. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like that's what happened when uh, you get the point five. It could have
1: been. Uh, it is Chemical from Modern oh. Rock V1. It's back when you named Loops. Oh, back when we named them, way back. Yeah. So that song, funny, I used
0: that for a couple things. There's a Timekeepers episode that uses that particular loop because it's real industrial. Mm-hmm. It's very like, that doesn't give you any, <laughs> any yeah. context at all. But I don't know. Um, yeah, it's like real heavy and industrial. And when I went and filmed, uh, when my signature snare came out with um, with Entity Drums, the badge is made by my buddy Matt, who's a metal fabricator. And yeah. so I went to his his metal shop, yeah, you know Matt, yeah. and uh, I filmed him doing all sorts of industrial metal work. And so it was like a really fitting track for that. So maybe I'll put the timekeepers clip up here. But yeah, check it out. This is chemical, really fun. I like that track a lot. It's, um, I don't know, it's like got a an appropriate kind of grunge to it. Not like dubstep-y, A little more like heavy industrial rock, but industrial rock, maybe that could be a cool loop pack. It just sounds like Nine Inch Nails.
1: Kind of, sort of. Corn. Yeah. Industrial
0: rock would be great. That's a cool pack. Yeah, let us know in the comments if you like that idea. I think that would be a really fun, fun <laughs> pack. It's not like a genre I listen to or think of very often, but like playing to that sort of music is definitely fun Are for some reason. You ever hear a mud rock? Mud
1: rock, mud rock is like forty to fifty BPM. Just like it's like gent if you slowed it down like oh like good, like grunge just like dun, super long quarter night just because yeah. the, the tempo so slow i, know what you're t-
0: I went to a, a bar in atlanta like seven or eight years ago and the band was playing at like
1: 27
0: bpm oh my just, God. <laughs> talk yeah.
1: about a challenge playing at slower bpms is often harder than playing at fast bpms
0: um adam neely the youtuber has an interesting video about what is what is the slowest tempo that you can play to? Tempo. Yeah. I want to say it's like thirty-three because beyond that, the gap is so big that you can't recognize patterns in the space. Yeah, yeah. And you could up the subdivision. <laughs> so if it was like I don't know, sixty-fourth notes, like right, like like you could fill it so you can kind of hear the space. But what you've really done is like doubled the time. So like you're hearing it is more like sixty. Like if it's true thirty BPM yeah. quarter notes. Like at a certain point around 30 BPM, it's, it's indistinguishable, but Mm. Matt Garska has that solo 35 BPM solo. Yeah. Of course, with those, I always wonder, like you could just put the metronome at 70, like in your ears and then put it at 35 in the audio when you post it. Like, I'm not saying he did that. I'm just saying that would be really easy to do. As long as you were on time, yeah. Yeah, but it's like it, the challenge is different because if you're hearing 70 BPM, well, like that's a very normal tempo, and then in the audio you just like drag it to 35, <laughs> and it's I don't know. I'm not saying he did that at all. It's just that's that would <laughs> yeah, be sure really he easy. That,
1: he did that <laughs> solo, Pasic, like live.
0: Oh so. yeah, that's true. That's true. If it's live, that would be that would be very different. Yeah, not like produced. Yeah, but like what what's a hilarious? You could play at. 50 BPM, which is it's very slow, but totally doable.
1: You might have a loop somewhere in the library that's At 50 BPM.
0: 50. But I'm just saying, imagine you had a click at 50 BPM oh, in God. your ear, and you play to it. And that's slow. It's fairly difficult, but you could do it. But then in the audio, you just put it at 25 BPM, and it's just, it's like not <laughs> oh, humanly possible, God. but it sure sounds like that's what you did. Oh, man. That's really funny. We should try it one day.
1: That'd be great. Uh, All righty, cool. So this week um, we haven't been doing player puzzle. The yeah, last mixing up some few segments. episodes because uh, we we had, we added a new segment which we'll get to soon. But we'll go black. Uh, we'll go black. We'll go back to player puzzle this week again. Player Puzzle. Yes. All right. So if you're not familiar with player puzzle, uh, since we haven't done it in a few episodes, I'll remind everybody that with so many drummers out there, it's hard to tell the difference. But some stand out so well that they're absolutely recognizable. In Player Puzzle, we'll provide three hints to see if Adam can guess who's playing. Let's see if we can stump him.
0: It's going to be trickier now doing this a little later, because I can't remember all who we've done on Player Puzzle and who we haven't. Yes. The, right? So it's going yeah. to get a little trickier
1: as further we get in here. Yeah. All right. So the first one is uh, in the files. The name is Tape. So go ahead and listen to Tape. Okay. Clue number one.
0: interesting i don't know like the sort of style like swingy metal type player but there weren't a lot of fills so it makes me feel like this might be a guy in a band because it was that sounded like it could have been like on an album sort of part i don't know so i'm thinking like a metal band is what i'm grabbing from that that's interesting. What's our next hint for this guy? Uh,
1: the drummer, this drummer, once played a drum solo wearing a pirate's costume for a pirate-themed gig. <laughs> what? You, know like a you know what's funny? Cruise is, gig? Is, 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 I, it might have been a cruise gig, but I, I have a memory of it, and I know it happened. And this drummer can confirm whether or not that this happened if they're listening. Okay. But I looked everywhere for the video and I was like I can't find it.
0: Man, so there's a video of this happening. It ha- it
1: happened. It happened. I know a, it happened.
0: A pirate themed gig. That would ha- I mean I yeah, I would think like a cruise. They have like booze cruises down here in Florida where I don't know, they, they're like weird themes and bands will do them too. Remember yeah. Paramore had one? Parahoy. Par- yeah. Was that what it was actually called? I
1: swear to god it was called Parahoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was mad that it happened cuz I would have gone on that cruise. Paramore's oh my god, live yeah, They're one yeah, of the yeah. best best live performances I've seen in a long time. And then um their last album tour, that was insane. I saw that at Barclays Center in Brooklyn a few yeah. years ago. Holy crap. Well, just it's a weird gig for them to take the cruise thing. Like, how much money do they make? <sighs> oh, it must be good money. Oh, right? a lot of money. Because yeah. the charters can upcharge by a lot sure if there's like a big name band on yeah the, yeah on the cruise so a uh, regular royal Caribbean cruise would be like 500 a person and then you say oh it's a it's a charter with only people that care about this band or maybe some of the other bands on the yeah. bill so a lot of people like you you know pretty similar people on the cruise so it's like well why don't we make it Nine hundred dollars per person. Yeah, I and can then see it they being just make a that big extra
0: money and yeah. It's but crazy. then I mean, I guess you are getting like five Paramore concerts, but at the same time, mm, well, I don't know. I mean, if it's an extra four or five hundred bucks, then it's a hundred bucks a concert, so that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you would have to figure out like, if it's worth it because <clears> you could buy some crazy ticket to like one show for several hundred dollars. Think
1: about it this way: you can get absolutely trashed.
0: Yeah, normally for free on those too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then you just go home. <laughs> because your your bed is three floors down.
0: That's true too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know a lot of party people really like cruises for that reason. Yeah. 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 I'm sure they they do it smart too, where they would have like an acoustic night. Where it's like everybody dresses up and it's all wine and dinner yeah. and it's like a very intimate kind of yeah, show. They n- would do a different Nicer, mixes of classier, that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: that would be fun. I would love to go on a, on a music cruise.
0: Okay, so maybe this drummer did a music cruise. Maybe. For some reason, maybe. they found themselves dressing up like a pirate. <laughs> um, and <laughs> okay, now we
1: got a kit photo. Yeah, so go ahead and click on tape again. That's, uh, that's, that's the kit photo.
0: Weird. That's a
1: pearl? What's the
0: weird giant badge on the rack tom? Is that like a tour pass or something? It looks contoured to the drum, though, like it's a badge on the drum.
1: Mm, could have been like a rented kit for a tour. So we got Sabian
0: Pearl, and one drummer comes to mind who does have a metal influence, and he does take weird gigs. My mm. guess for this one is going to be
1: Brother Troy Wright. Ah, uh, Yeah that's troy right what's
0: the pirate story
1: (laughs) i I think he he was literally doing like a pirate themed gig and he like he posted a drum solo of him and this like like the pants were ripped and he was wearing like a don't remember if he was wearing a hat he was wearing like a weird vest it just looked (laughs) like silly like yeah it could have been like you know those like dinner shows that are themed yeah oh yeah like i feel like it could have been one of those Troy, if you're listening, please like confirm this. I swear to God, this happened. I've seen this solo. I want to see it again. I want to pull it up on the podcast, man. It and show Adam, but I yeah, that's from my memory alone, and it's a good memory. That's funny. <laughs>
0: yeah, he. Um, I love his new kit. He got a Ooh, few yeah. months ago. Was it? A very thin-shelled mahogany masterworks. I think that's what it was. Like four-ply mahogany. Maybe it was just maple. Maybe it was just maple. But a super thin masterworks kit. Man, that thing sounded so good. He posted a few few videos of it. Yeah, he posted a solo. Yeah, he's such a good example of someone that does everything. Like he's done online lessons. He's done drum covers. He's done touring. Um, He owns a music school. Uh, so a g- mm-hmm. really good example of like a well-rounded career for sure. That's what always comes to mind when I think of people who kind of dabble in everything and do everything really well. Um, and soloist, he did, a he won a big competition in Australia when he was very young, um, being a soloist, but yeah, he sent me out to a couple shows here before when he passed us through, through Orlando, but shout out Troy Wright, man. Awesome okay. drummer.
1: Sweet. Uh, so, uh, Thank you, Troy, for uh, the spot there. Next up is Cactus. Cactus. Go ahead and listen to Cactus.
0: All right. Clue number one. that left hand blast thing happening god that was so quick so i do i do have a guess he's a really abstract Hmm. player but man there's just only so many people that are that quick like interesting one i'm not sure based off of that there's like a few guys that that could have been it also gets tough when guys get so abstract and fast like that that i don't know things just get it's like like they have so many different qualities to their playing that it's like hard to tell who it is because they're so chameleony. They can just sound like anything, mm-hmm. you know. That was just like a wall of advanced drumming, is what that, what that yeah, was. Yeah,
1: just ripping. Yeah. all day. I remember getting the audio clip for that podcast or that uh, that playing, and I yeah. was just like, what. Okay. <laughs> what happened? Is this person human? I don't yeah. um, but, the, but this drummer is human. Um, they've been nominated and won three indie music awards. Okay, that helps me narrow down my guess.
0: I think this guy has won a handful of awards like that. Okay, let's do our let's do our kit photo here. Yeah. Clue number three. Cactus. Bosphorus, though. That's throwing me off a little bit. But the ridiculously high symbols are kind of his thing. I think so. I think this is this is uh, brother Mason Gidry. Ah, Isn't yeah, him? yeah, Man. yeah. Oh, his playing is so <clears throat> so strange. It's like it is high level. It is very oh, very oh, advanced. Oh, oh yeah. It yeah. It, it's freakish level playing, but it's also like. It's strange, like in a very good way, but like the ideas that he comes up with are sometimes just like, what was that? Like, there's a weird quote. I can't remember who said this or what they were talking about specifically. There's a quote I heard years ago that like the best music that's like, music that's truly original, like it's genuinely creative. Your initial impression should be one of like discomfort because when you hear a song and immediately love it, you love it because of a certain element of familiarity, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's, something about this is familiar to you and that's why you love it so quickly. But truly original creative music that doesn't have like a very clear influence is so new that it should almost be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It should be a little like- Always, always. Like like what am I listening, like what was that? I'm not sure how I feel about that. And then it grows on you and you eventually love it. And his playing is kind of like that. Like I don't know if anybody would listen to his his playing and immediately like fall in love with it. You might recognize how high level he is because of speed and a lot of the textures and things, but like it almost like it's like coffee or beer to a 12 year old. Like you gotta develop the taste for that. You shouldn't give beer yeah. to a 12 year old, but you know, like
1: it, <laughs> or yeah, coffee or coffee, being,
0: probably not, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's like an acquired taste. Like I think his playing mm. is very much in that category where like it's supposed to sound really odd at first because it's that high level refined like you just have to get like a flavor for what yeah. he's doing. It's it's, so ma- it's maturity.
1: It's it's sure. It's emotional and musical maturity that's expressed a lot in his playing, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a crazy player, man. He's so so good. So yeah, if you guys don't know Mason Gidry, definitely check him out. He's uh he's one of the like slept on freaks of the drum industry but very much in the category of chris paprota andy prado like some of these guys that are just like once you see them you're like how did i not know this person existed until this moment that's a mason goodry he's that kind of guy for sure so yeah definitely check him out man some absolutely sick videos and i want to watch the the clip where that audio came from, that was awesome. Yeah, awesome.
1: I'll send you that. There was another clip that I found while looking for that clip um, that was like a shed clip you showed me years and years ago yeah. of him just like playing at speeds where it, it, it doesn't it, make It looks sense. like the video sped up. It'll yeah. make you think like, is that real? Like, And I
0: remember in, uh, the first time I met him was at um, Flight Drummers Festival in 2013. He, mm. he was there and he, I remember Kelly came and we had only been dating like a few months. This was, you know, eight, nine years ago. And she was just like, can everybody do that? Is that like normal? Like watching him play. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's not like it looks. Okay, a good example. It's like if you go to an NBA game mm-hmm. and you see someone that can just jump and like their knees are like above your chin right like it would hit you as sort of like unhuman like i've never seen anyone in person do anything like yeah. that it's like whoa like it's like that like it strikes you as not possible when you see his like highest yeah. gear it's
1: like are you did something happen like are my eyes broken <laughs> like it's like that man Weird. I, I was gonna say it's like watching a contortionist you're like i know that my body probably could do that with like intense training but that it looks does wrong not. Yeah. yeah like something's wrong right like yeah. mason something is wrong with yeah. you yeah <laughs> all right cool that will do it for awesome. uh player puzzle have a real fun time with that segment yeah. a lot of the time brings up stories brings up uh you oh, know yeah. whenever i win it's awesome but yeah. <laughs> Uh, whenever adam wins it's it's depressing anyway uh so that'll move us on into accent or ghost accent or ghost all right a classic segment we do here on the podcast where we get adam's to on many aspects of the drumming industry and at the end we'll get an approval which is an accent or a disapproval which is a ghost so uh what do you think about playing so hard your hands start to bleed
0: Oh man, I've done that. I've absolutely done that growing up. Almost like a rite of passage, I would say. That's my initial my initial thought about it. Like and I think when you're young, you get more sucked into that like hyper passionate playing where you're mm-hmm. just like, "Let's go." You know, and you just smash way way too hard. I think I think it would happen live more often than not because live you get the adrenaline dump, you get a whole lot of I don't know, just a lot of like energy that's a lot harder to manage. And so I, I definitely remember finishing shows with blood on the snare drum. I remember doing that a number of times. Not even like, not even necessarily like metal shows. I was never really in metal bands like that. Even pop, right? Just playing hard, like squeezing a little too tight. And I think in, in a way it's like, it's a rite of passage. Like as you become more musically mature, you tend to control a lot of those, I don't know, dopaminergic surges that happen where you just get so, so incredibly amped up on what you're playing. But I do look back like fondly on some of those, some of those like bloody snare drum moments, cause it just meant that you were really into this. But I also think if that's a regular occurrence for you, there's, there's an issue. There's an issue with like emotional control. Like, Hey, if you're at work, like maybe we should not be playing to the point where we're bleeding. Um, it could also be a technique problem that's definitely possible, but I think for the most part, if this is something that happens to you at special events, like your, your big show that you've been looking forward to, dude, I think a little blood on the snare drum is okay, man. I mean, how many times do you think you get to swing a drumstick in your hand with that kind of friction against your skin without any damage whatsoever? Like if you're playing that intensely, that fast, that heavy for a certain amount of time, it's just going to happen. Um, so it's probably a boundary you don't want to cross over and over and over and over throughout your whole career but like sometimes you get a little blood on your snare (laughs) drop that's okay I would
1: think of it like you're so focused on actually playing the pieces that by the end of it you just go Oh, I'm bleeding. That's normally what it yeah. is, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, crap.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's pretty rare that you're, like,
1: focused and calm, and you're like, I think
0: there's a little blood starting to happen. Nor- <laughs> you're normally not even there
1: <laughs> when it happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've been, like, working out in the yard and stuff, and you just kind of get back inside, and you're just like, ow. Oh. oh yeah. Duh. Okay, yeah. I did that. That All definitely...
0: Right. Def- yeah, the adrenaline will cover up whatever pain you felt in the moment. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the worst kind of injury you can get drumming is the one where you catch like a knuckle and a hi-hat oh Oh, dude i have got and i've done that mid song on stage where like i it wasn't that i was playing so intensely that like i got a blister no it wasn't that i just like smashed my hand into something or the rim of the snare drum that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and oh to not to be in that much pain and just feel the blood running down your arm but not be able to stop playing because you're like you're playing live like that definitely that sucks that sucks a lot yeah, I don't know. I'll give it. I'll give it the accent though, but I'll give it the accent like once a year. Like, don't make this <laughs> right? <laughs> right. It's like there's definitely a limit. If you're just like broad bleed all the time, like, uh, you should probably you should probably relax, man. Like. <laughs> It's oh not that dangerous God. of a thing to do. There you go. <laughs> There's
1: an Instagram handle for you. The bleeding drummer. The bleeding drummer. If that someone should, makes should already be a drummer. If someone makes an Instagram about you bleeding every time you play, I'll 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 follow that. What about like like
0: bloody drummer hands, where someone just posts pictures of like bloody drummer? <laughs> That'd be a good themed page. I would. Can we start a thread? <laughs> yeah. Can people we just can email me
1: <laughs> their bloody drummer hands, and send then we'll your, make a collage. Yeah.
0: Send it. us your bloody hands. We'll. Uh, love <laughs> Feature him on here. New segment in the works.
1: <laughs> oh my god! All right, cool. Once a year, accent. All right, what do you think about uh, deleting the rezzo head on all your drums? Basically, just not putting a head on yeah, the bottom side of your drum.
0: It does something,
1: right? I'm I'm not sure
0: exactly what. I mean, there are miking techniques where people will will do that and put a microphone inside the tom. Mm-hmm. Though I'm not particularly sure what it would do, other than okay. I mean just talk it out. It's called the resonant head because it helps the energy or the air within the drum resonate back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so you get rid of it, I would imagine it would shorten the tom sound a lot. I know I've seen a number of reggae bands where the drummer will not have that. Like they want the toms to be short and kind of choky. So it would be just a sound preference thing, but I think as a default, the answer would be no that for most genres of music, for most people, for most situations, you're not gonna wanna do that. But it would do, it would just be dependent on like, what is the sound that you're chasing? For me, I have never chased a drum sound that involved no rezzo heads, yeah. right? Um, Scoop. Yeah, and I think it would. Super short. Yeah, real short and kinda tubby as I think what you would end up <laughs> end up getting out of that. But you know, maybe there's something when you mic it on the inside, there's a diff, I mean, cause really that's a pretty sick place to put a microphone. The energy in the air would come straight right. at it. Like yeah. it's inside the drum. But yeah, I'd have to do a lot of experimenting with that. But I think for people who are just, if you're if you're not really nerdy about the sound that you're getting, like the recorded sound that you're getting, I don't think that's a wormhole you need to go down. I don't know that there's anything there. I mean, there's a reason that like 99 plus percent of drum sets come with rezzo Heads on them because they sound better that way. So. I would say for me, probably not worth the effort or the energy. Um, I think that would be the case for most people. Like leave the rezzo head on, I I think.
1: I think from like a professional standpoint, if maybe you were a drum tech and you were on tour and the drummer's like, I prefer no rezzo heads. Um, you'd be like, okay, well, I have less control over this. So whatever sound you want to get out of it is what whatever I tune the the top head to, and then that's it. Yeah. And now your audio engineer is going to have a problem because they have to mic somewhere different for your drum to be able yeah. to hear it. So, yeah, tuning. Eh. Well, tuning gets easy. That's one plus side. It's one side. less <laughs> side you have to tune, but then it's 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 still less control over the tone of the drum, right? It would
0: it would be less well, limited range of sounds. It's only going to sound like so many things when yeah. you don't have the two-head relationship on the top and bottom. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I w- I would guess it's genre dependent. I say that just because at least two reggae bands I've seen had that. So like there must okay. be something in the reggae sound, drum sound that people are trying to get yeah. there. Darren King does it. Yeah, but he also plays like the intentionally cardboard box sounding kit, right? Like he duct he, tapes across yeah, the, the yeah. batter heads. He, and...
1: he, he, he's pretty good at making himself sound good. He's also just, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, maybe that that's what it is too. Maybe it could be like an old school funk where the drums just all sound like flat and dead and slappy, but it's also it's also the right sound for that. Maybe it's it's that sort of thing, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be lying if I said I'm going to try it. I'm not going to try it. I like, I like my tom sounding like dialed and clean and studio-esque. Um, so yeah, I would say maybe, maybe that's probably, probably the way to look at it is if you wanted them to be dead, like, but appropriately dead. So funk, maybe reggae. I don't know too much about that drumming style overall, but yeah, for me personally, that's going to be a ghost. I'm not doing it, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it feels like taking the muffler off your car or
1: something. That's, like why, I put, <laughs> uh, that's why I put Rezo Head delete. It made me th- made me think of Cat Delete. You know, oh, yeah, oh I know. You delete a catalytic about... converter on your car. And yeah, you
0: know, if... I mean, just buy a good exhaust if you want it. Like, that's how I look at that. I have exhaust on my truck. <laughs> yeah. It sounds great, but it didn't involve just like ripping stuff off because then it's just you get this raw. You didn't straight like,
1: pipe your truck? You.
0: Did it's you? got a full exhaust. System. It's got a muffler delete, but it's just. But um, you still
1: have the catalytic converter?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, still have that. And it sounds great. It sounds yeah. killer. It's also harder to do and more expensive to do it that way. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Something about. I hate the idea of taking a $5,000 drum set and just taking the Rezos off, be like, check it out now. Like, well, it doesn't sound better. I would imagine it different. that the like,
1: only people that are doing Rezo head deletes are. People not buying, like, $6,000 drums Probably. It's probably like, here's a $400 used Pearl export. Like, yeah. Why don't I just make it sound different? Yeah, probably that's not a bad
0: way to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad way to do it. Cheap. Yeah.
1: Cheap, cheap. Take the we'll cheap
0: We'll throw it in the experimental category, right? You got a rainy Saturday, you want to... <laughs> want to get some weird drum sounds maybe that'd be fun to that's do that's right
1: we'll change the name of the segment to accent ghost or experimental yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's the third option try it out who knows, <laughs> who knows?
1: <laughs> all right but a ghost overall overall yeah. yeah all righty cool well that'll do it for accent or ghost Cool. pretty simple uh so now move on to a, a The newer, newest segment in the podcast here, Swap, Study, Shed. Yeah. Okay, so for this piece of the podcast, I'll give Adam three drummers that he has to choose which one he would swap gigs with, take a lesson from, or hang out and shed with. First round here, I have heavy hitters like Chris Coleman, Casey Cooper, and Animal from the Muppets. Oh, man. Interesting.
0: Casey Cooper, Chris Coleman, and Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I'm think i going to. Mm, oh, this is so, such a hard one. Such a hard one. Let's see. I think I have mm. to do the lesson with Chris Coleman. I've met him many times, mm-hmm. but never, never taken a lesson with him. I think he would just rip my little brain apart. So that would be fun. So we're gonna do the lesson. We're gonna study with Chris Coleman. And then do I want to do I wanna swap? Well, see, here's the weird thing. Casey Cooper is a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. So like he's a YouTube drummer. So I kinda know what his days are like, because they're really similar to mine, more Mm -hmm. than likely. So but he he also has a sick studio, so that would be that would be really fun. But at the same time, like, I like my studio. (laughs) I don't, it's just, his is far bigger, far bigger, with definitely some nicer stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still like a drum YouTube studio. So I don't know that that would be that different. I think, I think I'm going to swap with Animal. What's a day like in the life of that little thing. <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what does
1: he do? You get to do uh, all the movies. You get to do all the guest spots that he does for promo work. He's Those, basically the, a celebrity. The, the commercials that yeah. he gets to get on. I believe... Yeah, commercials, yeah. Um, who is it that's... I think it's the drummer for Newfound Glory. Just has like a animal on his kick drum okay for everybody yeah, to see. Yeah. that's funny um, i may be wrong in saying it's newfound glory but i'm pretty sure that's it okay um i don't know maybe i think he did like a drum off with dave grohl one time for, like, yeah all right
0: so this little this little muppet's doing some cool yeah. shit i'm, I'm gonna
1: with him i'm not gonna lie he might be a dw artist I'm, <laughs> i swear to god
0: <laughs> like what who, who owns Muppet? is it warner brothers or something got uh, like a dw deal <laughs> disney Disney. Oh, I think of course Dis- it's Disney. Yeah. Disney,
1: NBC, that like whole corporate arc of sure. things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and well, is uni- Universal and NBC are the same. No.
1: Comcast and Universal are the same thing. NBC, Disney, Fox. Uh, I'm not so sh-
0: I'm not so sure about well, I don't know. I don't know. We don't need to play that whole game. Yeah, any- we're not yeah. playing
1: corporate ties. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but either way, I'm sure if DW does if animal the muppet is a dw artist it would be like dw got a contract with disney or universal yeah yeah, yeah. that's really funny so i'm swapping with that dude because it <laughs> sounds sounds like he's just like a celebrity just yeah. out here doing movies and commercials and these high yeah. profile gigs yeah i'm swapping with that guy and then uh and then like me and Casey you're hanging out we Casey are Alrighty. Out. he's a good friend. oh actually i got a good good picture of uh of all of us from the wedding actually yeah. i'll throw that up on the screen yeah yeah all was, us
1: drummers at the wedding yeah it was, yeah, a, it was a lot
0: of fun. a good number of drummers at the wedding that was a blast man
1: yeah it was fun talking to him and austin about uh, a lot of drumming industry stuff it was cool yeah um shout out them all right next round i got joe morello bernard pretty purdy and steve jordan now, to remind you of a few things, Joe, okay. Joe Morello was Max Weinberg's former teacher. Okay. Uh, so, Max Weinberg who plays for Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. Okay. Uh, Bernard Pretty Purdy, inventor, founder of the Purdy Shuffle. And then Steve Jordan, who plays for John Mayer.
0: Huh. Um, I think I'm going to go, I think I'll do the Joe Morello, I'll, I'll take a lesson with him somebody that
1: old i must i I must remind you too joe morella has since passed yes um but we're (laughs) just yeah (laughs) you can't take a lesson from him but yeah if you could he was still alive
0: yeah so he was dave dave brubeck take five Yeah. yeah i think somebody that i would just love to get into the mindset of somebody that had played that long ago in a totally different era which didn't have any like rock influence i mean you're pre all of the major rock bands and projects yeah. right um like real purist old american jazz mm-hmm. so that would be really interesting so this here he was um oh he's all up in the northeast so like massachusetts and new jersey man like back in the what like fifth? well he was born in 28 so he was probably gigging a lot in the 50s 60s that sounds fascinating yeah i think i would take a lesson with um, with joe morello that would be interesting the steve jordan with steve jordan who was the other one
1: uh bernard purdy
0: bernard purdy oh man oh man i
1: I think I just want to hang out. I want to
0: shed with Bernard Purdy. He's just... (laughs) That dude's just got a vibe on him. Seems like he'd be a fun dude to grab lunch with, for sure. So I think I'm going to hang out with Steve Jordan... I'm sorry, with, uh, with Bernard Purdy. He just seems really cool. And... How do you turn down the gig with John Mayer? I'm, I think I'm swapping with Steve Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Fun gig, dude. That would be so fun. And not particularly intimidating. I mean, you have there's a high expectation of pocket. Like, you uh-huh. better have, like, really good feel, really good groove. But the technical difficulty of the parts is not very, very high. I mean, it's pop blues, basically, mm-hmm. right? It's pretty pretty straightforward it would be a real test of your feel that's for sure but not like your technical ability so much so i think that makes it not quite as intimidating you just got to be in the right mindset right mm-hmm. so yeah that's what i would do i would swap with steve jordan i would take a lesson with joe morello and i want to hang out and shed with brother bernard purdy
1: bernie. what would you do with those three i would exactly the same the thing. same yep yep hang out with bernie purdy mm-hmm. just strengthen that shuffle uh, yeah oh, absolutely yeah. play with john mayer that would be I mean you could you could retire after the, after that. Yeah, You'd be like I'm yeah. not doing anything else stuff sure. top that.
0: Well, that would be one, one of the highest level gigs in the world. I mean, John Mayer is just unbelievably famous. Like I mean,
1: unbelievably talented. Yeah,
0: super freak, yeah. 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 He always had that that quote I loved um, with Berkeley like if you graduate you fail. Like if you make it to the end of this four-year run of music school yeah. and you graduate it's, it's, like, already too late. Like, you're not supposed to get the paper and then go to the music industry. Like, now I have my degree. Like, you're supposed to have figured out what you're doing long before you make it out the door. Mm-hmm. It was something along those lines, which is a really interesting way to look at it. But I'm pretty sure that was his path, right? I know he went to Berkeley, but... That's strange. I think like he was you, famous long before you, he got you, out of there.
1: gain the framework, and then you go, fuck you, and and leave? Like, what, three years in, I guess, is his point? Like Well,
0: more so that, like what's a better way to say it? Like, um, when you graduate and you have that piece of paper and then you go into the music industry, like nobody tells you that that piece of paper doesn't do anything.
1: Well, correct. I mean, yeah, like every other college degree, it's not like it's a guarantee for you to get a job. You will have, you should have been working towards what you want prior to graduation. The whole time. Yeah, Yeah,
0: the whole time. Exactly. Well, I think it's, in a lot of, I don't want to get too far down the college room hole, but in a lot of fields, like a bachelor's degree would be required, a master's right. degree would be required for you to even apply at a certain job. And in the music industry, it's like not only is it not required, it's not even going to come up. It's weird for you to mention yeah. that you went to music school. Like everybody's yeah. just kind of, like, oh. Okay, like, kind of kind of weird you would say that. Like, nobody cares, you know? Yeah. Audio world is like that, too. Like, your ability to mix an album is one thing, and whether or not you went to school for it is, like, a totally different conversation that's never gonna come up, ever, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, but but I like what you said. It's like you should already have been working on the thing you wanted to do long before you graduated. Like, because graduation doesn't mean anything to the industry. <laughs> yeah. It's never going to come up whether or not you finished. If you've got the paper, did you get a bachelor's or a master's? It never gets asked. So it's like the the game. You have to start playing the game while in school, like year yeah, one. Like you already yeah. started. Welcome to your career. You I know? had
1: a um, in college. I had a portfolio class, which was. If you think about the, the difference between a resume and a portfolio is a resume says you've done something. A portfolio proves you've done something. Um, and we had a portfolio class and a lot of the students in that class who were not working within the industry that they were trying to get into mm-hmm. were lost because – my professor was just like prove to me that you can do this job that you want so badly and they're just like i can't (laughs) and then he's like well you're not going to get that job yeah what can you do to prove you can get that job that's like what can you do to prove you can get the gig playing for john mayer you can play a lot of other gigs sure with the same type of feel with the same type of people you know and network yeah. into that as well
0: yeah right so. well work experience is always more valuable than classroom experience too yeah. and that's not to devalue the classroom <laughs> you're talking to somebody that owns a school you yeah. know there's definitely times to go to a classroom but but yeah there is no substitute for real world experience that's for sure mm-hmm.
1: yeah that was a good man That was a lot of fun cool all right well that will do it for swap study shed really like that segment it's real funny yeah. Uh, all right. So then now we'll just move on to Q and A Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, no sleepers this week. So right into yeah. questions
0: and we should tell everybody too. We're obviously mixing and matching different segments, trying stuff yeah. out. So if there's ever a segment where you're like, where is it this week? Don't worry. It'll be back. <laughs> we're just swapping things around. Just
1: calm yourself. It'll be <laughs> fine. Um, all right, so this part of the podcast, we answer questions, obviously, duh. These questions come from Instagram, YouTube, or the forums of Drummer.com. or you can send questions directly to me at Chris at Yeah. Okay, so first question from at Johnny Huck asks, do you ever doubt the path you took being a full-time online drum educator? Mm, in the
0: last couple years a little in some ways well it just depends on how we're looking at it specifically like when lockdowns happened last year no I had never been happier in my entire life that I had gone down this road because then you see all of the touring musicians all of the people that taught locally um, anybody that's in like the air quotes real music industry or the live music industry is a better way to say that um, those people were envious of positions like mine, right? Like they, they wish they had gone online and everybody who was full-time online was sort of like, yes, like I made a good decision somewhere along the line, but it definitely depends. You know, I, I, one of my bigger concerns, and I've addressed this in some videos before, is that as a more serious content creator who focuses on educational content and not very much entertaining content, like I don't do drum covers. I don't do the closest thing I've ever done to a reaction video would be sleeper spotlight, but it's still relatively educational. Every
1: Instagram drummer ever.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that video. Yeah, I, I don't like. Well, I shouldn't say I don't like. Um, it is not my personality or my style to be like an entertainer, and there's definitely been a shift over the last couple of years. TikTok is a predominant source of that shift, but the the shift has been towards far more entertaining content and away from more serious educational content. And so that worries me. That worries me a lot that I picked a content style and a, a body of work in my career that is no longer quite as appealing as it was 10 years ago. That's definitely something that I'm somewhat concerned about because I have no desire to switch and become an entertaining drummer all of a sudden, right? Like I'm not doing drum covers. I really don't care about doing that stuff very much. So That does worry me as like a larger philosophical career category. Um, But as a whole, no, you know, I I really don't, don't ever think about or regret having gone online as opposed to some of the other options that were on the table, like, um, you know, being a touring drummer or joining a band and doing albums there. There's certainly elements of that that would have been really cool but I also got to touch all of those worlds I've done albums before I know what that process is like I know what it feels like Um, I've done tours before I know what the process is like I know what it feels like and I do feel like I was able to touch every one of those worlds to some degree before I actually went online and of course I know what it's like to get videos with a million plus views I know what that feeling is like Uh, I know what it's like to do eight hour days alone in a black windowless box you know I know, I know a lot I've, I've touched all of these little worlds so it's not like I'm ignorant to what a touring career would have been or a um, any you know a studio career would have been but I'll tell you the one thing I love about being online and, and it's it's honestly it's like the freedom it's the freedom that comes with it because at any given point at any given day I can just decide whether or not I want to work and it's it's part of being like a solo musician is sort of how, how that works you know as soon as you get into a team setting whether it's with a band or a record label or any group of people where you're doing a bunch of stuff together you have this obligation to that team if you join a band and go on a tour you don't really pick when your off days are you're told when you have to be at work and when when you when you don't and you know, I really love having the freedom of working from home and deciding when and how much and how often I want to work. Cause if I want to pull an all nighter in the studio, I get to do that whenever I feel like it. And if I don't, and I wake up and I'm just not feeling creative one day, I don't have to be creative. So for me, that freedom is so valuable that I feel very comfortable with the the path that I chose of being full-time online. Um, with all that said, I wish I could have the best of both worlds. I wish that I could take the tour when I wanted to and take the the album whenever I wanted to. Logistically, that's not always how life works. It's it's a lot a lot easier said than done. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think overall, to answer your question, I'm happy with being online for sure. And we mentioned this in a very early episode on this podcast. For me, being deeply introverted. Is what makes that easy. I think there are a lot of drummers who think they would want to be full time online content creators, but you would actually hate it. You would actually hate it because the self discipline required to work 40 hours a week alone by yourself in a room with no social interaction, you know. High level of self discipline required. That's for sure. And also, some people that makes them miserable. Some people, it's just like way too isolated. Like we talked about this with with lockdowns. <clears throat> some people were like deeply bothered by that. I know I was. Where a lot of people were. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I mean, I, I came from five years of social interaction was my the only way that I made money. Like, the, I had to be around. A lot of people in from all of my jobs that have ever worked. Yeah. And so lockdowns, it was like, uh, what, do what do I, I, do, I do, do now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Hard lesson, right? But um, I don't know. I, I think if anybody's thinking about taking like their career online full-time, maybe consider you're gonna be alone for a lot of it. A lot, a shocking amount,
0: yeah. And just to clarify, the difference between an introverted person and an extroverted person is not like your capacity to be around people because anybody with a small amount of social skills, like you you could, you could pass for either one. Mm-hmm. It's more so, how does social interaction make you feel? So some people, when they hang out with other people, it's draining, right? Where it's like they need to go be alone and sort of recharge from the social interaction. And other people, the social interaction charges them up. And so if you're an extroverted person, being around people gives you more energy. And if you're introverted, it sort of sucks your energy away. So at the end of a long social day, you just need to be alone and kind of reset. And that's the category that I fall in. So a high energy day for me is one where I'm alone, right? Because I don't ever get drained by the social interaction that happens. Not that I don't want friends or like social interaction, but it like, it takes energy from me in a way. So yeah, for me being hyperproductive is always being alone. And I think that has a ton to do with whether or not people can or even should desire to have like a solo online musician career. I think it's a huge differentiating factor where I think some people would just be miserable with this job and, and uh, yeah, so I think if you know yourself well, you could make that decision if it's something you would actually wanna pursue.
1: So, I mean, just to answer the question in, with a yes or a no. Do do you ever doubt the path you took?
0: No. No. As a whole, no. Some thoughts buried in there about it, but as a whole, no. I don't.
1: All righty. Cool. Well, thank you, Johnny. And I have another question from another Johnny. Johnny P. asks, what do you think of the new iMac for an up-and-coming music producer or video editor? I have not
0: done the appropriate research. Let's pull pull this bad girl up. The new iMac. So I'm on my one, two, third iMac. I have a laptop as well but I'm on my third iMac now and I have spent a lot of money on on iMacs man let's uh let's see let's pull this thing up okay so this is the 24 inch which is interesting because iMacs were made for a very long time in 21 and 27 the 21 inch I wouldn't recommend only, only because it's like if you're doing any video editing at all it's pretty small it's I mean, it's bigger than a laptop, but it, you'll wish you got the 27. 27 is fantastic size. I love that for video editing. I do all my video editing on a 27-inch iMac. And so this is 24. Interesting size. And so there's three price tiers. We've got $1299 for the base model, $1499 for the mid, and $1,700. $1,699 for dollars for the upper end. So... One big differentiating factor between all three of these, well, all iMac tiers in general, is going to be um, your total storage, like your hard drive storage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am curious, though, what kind of hard drives do they put in these? Are they solid state yet? Are they fusion mm-hmm. or are they old school spinners?
1: Let's I select the highest think end. We'll start with solid state, but let's do that. No, Currently recording on my screen right now. Customize your blue 24 inch iMac with Apple M1 chip i'm sure for you the color doesn't matter for some people the yeah. color might matter but yeah but they have a lot of colors of these how weird is that yeah well i think apple does this every so often where like i don't know every five or six years they go why don't we offer the new one in rainbow and you're just like all right well yeah okay, thanks for that <laughs> i think you could have like designed some of the more techie parts of it but let's see eight gigabyte unified memory 512 gigabytes solid state storage
0: Wow, that's really impressive. It comes with yeah. solid-state regular. Yeah. For those that don't know, the, the difference between a solid-state drive and a, a traditional hard drive is transfer speed. That yep. you can move files around very, very, very quickly. Very important for video editing, for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's really cool. Now, do they max out there? Uh, no, I think you can get up to 2 terabytes. Up to 2 terabytes. So we can do that. I'm going to customize the, this Mac here.
0: Now, let's stop before we get to that. So we're on the customize page for, yeah, for yeah. the I, did
1: you select the highest end one yes i did yeah. okay so let's just go down this
0: list here memory eight gigabytes of it's why are they calling it unified memory that's it RAM. ram it's, it's RAM. ram yeah okay well eight gigs of ram is not fantastic so i do have one question about this that i'm not i'm not really sure maybe we could look it up can you install your own ram i want to say
1: no because not on most these? apple devices
0: well all imacs you can
1: but oh. I don't. But they
0: may have changed it for this. Well, one.
1: given how thin this is, maybe not. Probably not. I mean, they've done this with MacBooks in the past, where they're just like, no, you can't take it apart. You can't do anything with it. We've made it so thin, you shouldn't be able to open it, kind of thing. Which yeah. I, I, I do understand to a degree. But then it's, it's why most um, people who work off a computer for a living will just say, nah, I just want to go to a PC and do whatever I can, depending yeah. on what you know that PC can do that a Mac can't.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know, man, because I don't love that the two that you can max this out at 16 gigs of RAM. That's not a lot. It's not a lot at all. Mm-hmm. The one I got, I think I bought it with 16, and I put another 40 something in it, so I'm, I'm running like 50 or 60. Woo! So, and here's the thing, man. It depends on the type of video editing that you're doing. Audio, you're going to be okay. You're not going to wreck your computer with with um, you know eight gigs of RAM is okay if you're just running like audio recording but as soon as you get into video editing and you're bouncing between those programs like my computer i I think it has 64 gigs of ram and i can wreck it i can still wreck it right so i don't love the ram limitation on this that 16 gigs of ram is maxed out that's not great the two terabytes of of solid state storage is solid that is so worth your money for sure the other option of course would be to get an external ssd if you wanted to do that and you can get i want to say a four gig external ssd for like 600 bucks so if you wanted to save money ordering this you could get the base model 512 gigabytes of solid state storage you could definitely do that and then just buy an external ssd down the road because the transfer speeds are so fast that you can edit off of that drive because 500 512 gigabytes is not that big if you're doing video. If you're doing like multiple angles of 1080 and up, that's not that big. So you're gonna want more down the road, but you could survive if you got um, if you got the one terabyte even. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. one terabyte seems worth it because it's triple that to go to two terabytes. Yeah. So maybe that's the sweet spot. I'll pick that one. One terabyte, one terabyte. SSD.
1: Right. I put two just so we can max it out. Okay. Um, max it out. Why not? Blue mouse or trackpad. Um, if you already have them, you don't need. You don't need more. The yeah,
0: you don't need the trackpad. I don't recommend, man. Some people get good. I have eh. one, and I just can't. I never got used to it. Eh. But the Magic Mouse, you do want because the left and right swiping huge for video editing and audio as well. Um, oh, and then pre-installed software. Ooh. Well, that's sort of a personal thing if you need it or not. And we're at twenty five hundred bucks. I tell you, my only gripe <sighs> with it is the RAM. You know, if you can upgrade the RAM yourself.
1: Which if you can So there's um, if you click on how much memory is right for you at the bottom it has a note mm-hmm. that says IMAC memory is not user accessible. If you think you'll need additional uh, memory, it's important to upgrade at the time of purchase. Savages.
0: They so, they got rid of it. Yeah, oh, that's brutal. Yeah. Okay, so you would def have to get the sixteen for sure. Um, man, you're at twenty five hundred bucks, to be honest, it's still a good deal. The RAM is yeah. frustrating. It's really frustrating. And if you said I'm gonna buy the external solid state drive down the road. This is only 1,900, man. And you st- the computer functions exactly the same. You just run out of space a lot quicker. Got to be a lot smarter about managing your files and things with a smaller drive. Yeah. But dude, that seems like a fantastic deal. The only thing I don't know are the benchmark tests on the new chip, on the M1 chip.
1: So far, they seem to be pretty in line with um, the Intel i5. Uh, I five processor okay. but i7 still kind of like blow it out of the water mm-hmm. um but, but you know if uh, i'm not too keen on uh, those benchmark results so i'm sure that there's like a what's a good youtube channel linus tech tips is a good one yeah he's probably already run a benchmark test on that so go check that out if you're interested but and there's
0: another interesting thing that has happened Uh, i wish i knew more about this but like you have your cpu and your gpu Mm -hmm. and the gpu is for processing graphics so Mm -hmm. it's like two cards that can handle the workload and there are software updates in final cut for example where it redistributes how much of the data processing goes to the cpu and how much goes to the gpu so like if it used to be 80 20 80 of the work goes to your your processor which is your actual chip and then the other 20 percent of the work goes to the gpu it's it can be updated where it's like 60 40 so from my understanding gpu is more important than it used to be because a larger percentage like a different ratio of workload goes to the GPU. It didn't used to be like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I think this is overall a really good deal, man. I mean, this is probably a solid five-year computer for a full-time content creator. Yeah.
1: Well, and at the top end too, three grand. Three grand if you max everything. Yeah. Yeah, if you max everything, Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro. Oh, if
0: you get those two as well. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, it, starting from the get-go to have new licenses for this new computer which you need
0: yeah yeah that's a sick computer man that's really cool i say i say go for it if you're if you're if you don't have a real powerful machine that operates at like the core of your studio this could certainly be that the only thing i would say is is you know compare this to getting a fully customized imac because you can build just a regular iMac without this M1 chip in a 21 or 27 inch configuration. You can build it from scratch and see if you can get within a few hundred bucks of this price range and out spec it. You know, you, you might be able to do that. And it's also it's dependent on your needs too. You know, if you're just doing audio, this is more than enough. If you were doing exclusively video in really long format, this might not be the right computer for you. You might want to go a custom iMac and get something a little more dialed, but I like it overall. It seems like right right in a, a solid range that a lot of people would, would find useful.
1: Yeah. All right, cool. Cool. Well, that'll do it for Q&A. All right. Um, again, if you have questions for the podcast, please, you can comment down below on YouTube. You can hit up Adam on Instachops on Instagram, ask him a question. Uh, you can send questions directly to me at Chris at Orlando... Or, you can shoot questions directly to me at Chris at Orlando uh, or on the forums and members area of OrlandoDurmer.com. Yeah. So, cool. Hit me up. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> All right. I have any uh, closing thoughts for the podcast today? Sure, Adam?
0: sure. So, yeah, this week I'm um, I'm building a shed. I already have a shed, need another shed, so I'm building a shed. Long story. Anyway, getting, getting started on this shed, and I was going to put it in one spot of the yard. And um, then my wife Kelly was like, well, what if we put it over here? I'm like, well,
1: <laughs> if, it, if, we,
0: if we if we put the shed over here, then the other shed's got to go over there. I'm like, all right, well, we'll move that. And then we'll, well, well where do the chicken coops go? I'm like, Oh, well, we've got two chicken coops. Well, that one could go here. And then, well, where does the goat house go? Oh, we can move <laughs> that over there. And so we're playing this, like, 10,000 pound shuffle in the backyard of moving these like massive structures all around the yard and that's why I said at the beginning I'm just beat up I'm just so beat up from like you're trying to move a shed by yourself (laughs) it's really hard so uh yeah it's, it's been one of those one of those last few days just absolutely physically brutal in the in the Florida summer heat but um yeah just a good a good reminder that there's certain certain things like this that happen in life in drumming and artistry and being a musician where you can take on a little too much at once and you just need to slow down so this is that kind of week for me where it's like the universe itself was just like hey dude sit down for a second like I just I pushed too hard I got myself all sorts of beat up and uh now I'm like walking with a limp because there's every every inch of my entire body hurts <laughs> so you can do that to yourself physically I think we've all been there um, if you ever moved like your whole house, you know, with that oh feeling, is like, yeah, you just beat up your whole being. Yeah. Right. But you can also do this emotionally. You can do it mentally. Um, there's a lot of ways to push yourself too hard until you just get beat up. And so as I'm sitting here, you know, having kicked my own ass for for a couple days in a row, I feel like that's an appropriate reminder for everybody at home is that um, if you get in that intense work mode and you're being productive and you're getting stuff done and you know know that there is always that that limit where you can push yourself a little too far now not everybody needs this reminder there are some people who need the opposite reminder where it's like hey bro you need to get to work <laughs> you've yeah, been working hard you need enough to get at all shit
1: done today exactly yeah.
0: exactly but if you're one of those people who has a tendency to push a little bit too hard hey take this as your friendly reminder to slow down maybe throw on some netflix make a coffee and uh, have one of those days every once in a while because. I think I need one of those here pretty soon, or um, I might lose some limbs. I'm getting getting busted up, dude. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, that's all I got for you in episode 22. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.
0: Oh, yeah. We will catch you guys next week. Cool. Bye. Bye.